0: Okay guys, a warm, warm welcome from me, please feel free to take your seats, and it's lovely to see your faces today on such a sunny day, and aren't you looking lovely? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't believe it, then just take it from me, you're looking lovely. Um, That's not a faith message, it's the truth. So, uh, well, the faith is the truth, so there we are. Um, So, uh, yeah, great to see you all. Great to have you all with us. And uh, we are going to start a series on faith, funnily enough, today. Um, And my name's Christian, for those that don't know me. And I will be looking forward to meeting you a little bit later on if you don't. Um, So I'm going to start off with a bit of scripture, which is coming from Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 19. Um, and it starts like this. So, when they returned to the other disciples, that's Jesus and two of the disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, "'Teacher,' I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithful, faithless people, um, we'll pause it there. Okay, so that's partway through the story. And Um, We're going to have a look at it from the dad's perspective here, actually. Let's just, just take a little think about how the dad's feeling at this particular point. Because our experiences in life, I don't know if you're anything like me, our experiences in life can seriously impact and affect how much we can believe. They can seriously impact our faith. They can seriously impact our trust in a good God. Do you reckon or not? Yeah, I think so. Because... I've seen close friends walk away from God. I've seen close friends walk away from church when when things haven't gone the way they hoped, when things haven't gone the way they'd planned, when life had messed up in a way which they just blamed God for or something had gone wrong and they couldn't see why. And so it gets difficult. And I have seen people find life get very difficult and I have seen people get very hurt indeed and find it difficult to keep trusting God in that situation. So I think we can all relate someone to the dad in this particular story because this is God. He's supposed to love, isn't he? He's supposed to care. He's supposed to be all-powerful. Yet every single day, this man has to watch his son, probably the most important person in his life, in utter torment, in absolute utter torment, every single day. And I think that after a while, it's going to start hurting. Every day he prays and nothing happens. Every day he tries again and nothing happens. He gets out of bed. He has the same circumstance every single day. Doesn't that grind after a while? Do You think? I mean, I know if it was me, it would hurt. But if it was one of my children, it would be even worse. And so you get into a situation, into a rut, where after a while he's going to find it really, really, really difficult. And then finally, the man meets these mighty men of faith, these mighty men of God, disciples of Jesus. These are the guys that go around doing it every single day. These are guys that are no longer at work. They now are basically paid, well, not paid, but they they effectively go around full-time doing this stuff, All the time, these are the experienced ones. These are the guys that know what they're doing. These are the guys that can heal and they can get rid of demons. These guys know what they're doing. And he takes his son to those guys and they still can't do it. How are you gonna feel now? What are you gonna think now when they're struggling? Because it's very, very easy to empathize I think with the dad when it's still not working and he's prayed and people of massive faith have prayed, it's still not happening. Do you agree? I think we can really start to understand that that is gonna impact this guy massively. We can say in our minds that God cares, but when we don't see it in experience, then it becomes a very, very, very difficult thing in our hearts to fully get hold of. They don't always match up and it can impact us. And you know you're affected when you stop praying for big things and you start settling on the small things. You know when you stop believing for breakthroughs. You know when you stop believing and when you start thinking that God's not going to do anything to change things. We can start just aiming as low as you can so that we don't get disappointed again. Does anybody here relate to that? Yep. Yep. It can go like that, can't it? Yep. I'm sure we've all had this, whether it's ourselves or people we love or people we care for, and you pray and you pray and nothing changes. So today, we're looking at faith and we're looking at how it's impacted, how our faith matures, how it strengthens, and how we can actually navigate this whole thing. Biblical faith is defined really as trust. It's faith in God... It's not a force that compels God to move. That's really important. So you can't have faith in, well, you can have faith in faith, but it's not good, all right? It's faith in God, faith in who God is and faith at what God can do, faith in his character as a, as, as a person, all right? It's not something that we magic up to make work, all right? So it's just trust. Trusting in who he is. Trusting is a really good word to use. If you go into the Old Testament, you won't see the word faith used that much. You see the word trust used all over the place. And it's about the same thing. They, they carry the same sentiment. And certainly in the Greek, they have that same um, root word. So there are massive benefits. Do you want to know what they are? There are massive benefits in growing in faith. There are massive benefits in our faith being matured. Some of you are looking very suspicious at me right now. Honestly, it's worth staying for the ride on this one. There are benefits on this one. Um, if you don't just go through a few verses in the Bible, Isaiah 40 says that our strength is renewed. We have more energy. Who doesn't want that? Yeah, you want more energy. Yes, good. We're on board with that then. He who trusts in the Lord will renew their strength. Romans 15 says that we're filled with joy. We're filled with hope. We're filled with peace as we learn to trust. Yep. Yeah. This is getting it. I can't, man, I'm being a salesman here, I know, but it it sounds like a good thing to get hold of, all right? Good, all right, we're nearly there. Psalm 36 says it gives you a new closeness with God, a new delight in our relationship with God. This is good stuff. If I was sat where you are, I would be so hooked right now on this preach. I'd be like, come on, give it to me, bring it. No, okay, well, (laughs) let's get back to the story then, baby. Jesus then says, how long has this been happening? Oh, you know when Jesus gets involved, something's going to happen on you. Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? I love the word if. Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. The person instantly, sorry, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. One of the most fascinating verses in the New Testament. I do believe, but I'm not fully believing. There's something in the way. I am not quite there yet. Help me overcome my unbelief. It is really important to note that Jesus is not saying, get your faith levels higher. All right? He's not saying, work on your faith, and when your faith is really perfect, you'll get your miracle. He's not saying that. You got me? That whole point of... Everything is possible for him who believes. He's not saying, you don't believe enough yet, so you've not got your miracle. That's not what he's saying at all. He's basically saying, put your trust in me. That's it. Trust me that I can do it. Trust me that I care. Because those are the two things that come into this. Does God, is God capable? Can he do it? Most people are all right with that. Yeah, I think God can. Does he care? Does God really care enough to intervene in this situation? Does God care enough about my life, about what's going on here? And that's the heart that gets issue, that gets the concern there because that's what normally takes place in anything where life is getting messy. So that's what results in the dad's response. Help me overcome my unbelief. Help me believe that you're good enough. Help me believe that you can. Help me believe that you're compassionate. Help me believe that you love me. Help me believe. Because Jesus, it's been hard. I don't know if you know, but my son's in agony. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's been a bit tough around here lately. Yeah? It's been horrible. You can understand this, Dad, can't you? It's been horrible for years and years and years and years. So therefore... He needs to have a bit of help. Help me overcome my unbelief. When we read of God's character in the Bible and when we see our own experiences don't match up, that's when the tension comes. That's when things don't always break out in the way that we want them to do. Does God remain good? Yeah? Does God remain loving? even when we don't see what we want. And that's the question. And that's what's hard. Because this is where it gets really, really difficult. This dad had not seen what he wanted. And I'm going to cut the story here. All right? You can read it for your own homework to see what happens. Because the point of the preach isn't what Jesus does next. The point is really about this element of faith. Okay? Okay? We're not gonna get into the woo, it all worked. Yeah, this is the thing. Help me over, he'd had years of this. Years and years and years and years and years. So help me at this particular point. And that when we read of God's character and when we don't see it, it can be really, really difficult. It can be absolutely horrible. And we won't know all the answers. I'm not here to give you in 15 minutes some really flippant answers about what could and couldn't be the situation. But it is essential that we let God into our hurts. It's essential that we let God into our wounds and our disappointments because our faith is more precious than gold. And that is absolutely crucial. We need to let him heal at all of our wounded hearts. We will all go through storms. That's a given. We will all go through trials. That's going to happen. But... It doesn't mean that God doesn't care. And it certainly doesn't mean that God's punishing us. And we really need to get an understanding of that deep down. He wants to hold us through the storms. He wants to carry us through those storms. He's for us, not against us. He's fighting for us always. He's always strengthening us. He's always trying to take us through the difficult times in our lives. Amen? Yeah? So it's difficult for this man at the moment. But Jesus is simply standing in front of him saying, I can do it and believe and trust that I care enough. And at that particular point, that's all that's required. Yeah? He's not giving him a formula for a miracle. And that's really essential as well. We're not here looking at how to get a miracle. This is not a sermon on how to get a miracle. This is how to mature our faith. Very different, and we will have a look. So, I love the line, how, help me overcome my unbelief. So let's have a look. Let's ask a question to all of you here. How can our faith be matured? If I was to ask that, I think Lyndon gave me an interesting answer last time. What was it? Do you remember? A miracle! That'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah? Do you think? Yeah, that would oh, be awesome. Yeah, do you know what I mean? If we had, a, we had a couple of miracles flying off here and there, you would believe more, wouldn't you? Yeah? Your faith would be like, woof, dearie me, that was good. Absolute load of rubbish. It doesn't, it's not, it's not true. It's not scriptural anyway. There are, well, I mean, you could argue on a couple tentative. I got saved, I became a Christian when my back was healed. I couldn't walk properly, I could run immediately. I became a Christian. Ten months later... I was doubting the very existence of God. 10 months. A miracle gives you a sugar boost. That is it. That is all you will get from a miracle. You will go, wait, I feel brilliant for a while. But it's it's, it's eating a Mars bar, basically, or other confectionery items are available. It, (laughs) It is eating something with a lot of sugar in it. It will give you a kick, it will definitely give you a kick, but it's not nutritious. It's not substantial. It's not going to give you what you really need. Got it? Our faith is not matured, certainly, in that way. So let's have a look at what the Bible says as how our trust or how our faith is mature, shall we? Let's get down to that because that will be more important. The first one is our relationship with God, that we get to know God better, okay? That is fundamentally the first thing. Psalm 36, verse 7, it says the following, How precious is your loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Trust comes from knowing that God loves us. Trust knows that God's there for us and cares and is compassionate. The more we invest in our relationship with God, the more we invest in knowing that he loves us, the more that you will trust him. Think about that for a minute. Yeah? If you don't know that someone loves you, you won't trust them very much, will you? You just don't. But the more you know they love you, the more you will put your trust in them. So as you get to know that, the easier it is. The easier to know that he cares. As we spend time in his presence, as you spend time enjoying his Holy Spirit, as you spend time delighting in his love, our hearts are softened to believe. Believe. That's really, really important. God revealed his love to us most through sending Jesus. When he sent Jesus and Jesus came and he died on a cross to save us of our sins. When he died on a cross to bring forgiveness and redemption, to bring all of us into the possibility of an eternal relationship with him. That there is love. And that's our God. And that's the one we serve. That's our God who we can come to know. Thank you. You need that sometimes. (laughs) Secondly, hearing God's word. As we hear God's word, Romans 10 verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, this is absolutely crucial. This is where I was falling down a little bit as a new believer. I'd been saved 10 months, but I wasn't reading the word as much as it would have been helpful for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I wasn't really getting it. I wasn't growing in faith because I wasn't really listening to it. Now, when I say faith comes by hearing, or when the Bible says that, that word hearing is really important. It uses the Greek rhema. There is something about listening to the voice of God. There's something really important about listening to him speak to us on a personal level. I'm not Diminishing the Bible, you absolutely read the Bible. But there's something about approaching the Bible slowly to hear him rather than reading it academically. Does that make sense? Yep. I can read 10 chapters of Leviticus and get very little from it if I'm just pounding through it rather than reading one or two verses slowly with the Holy Spirit speaking to me and making it alive and personally applying it to my life. Yeah? Yep. That's where faith comes alive. When you read the Bible in that way, or when you hear God in that way, all of a sudden, you get something quickening inside of you. You get your spirit becoming strengthened on the inside of you. And that is a massive difference. That's the difference in the Bible being pretty much the most boring book in the world to being the most exciting. Because it can be dry and dusty. 2 Corinthians 3 makes it very clear. There's a veil over people's hearts if they don't read it with the Holy Spirit. Yeah? It's very, very clear. But the veil comes open as the Spirit of God gets involved. So that there in itself, massive, massive truth. Fellowship is the next one. You're all here, so I don't even need to talk to you about this. But it is a huge, huge one. Romans 11, sorry, Romans 1 verse 12 says, when we get together, this is Paul writing to the Romans, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Now, Paul must have been a mighty man of faith, don't you think? But he still needed fellowship. He still needed to get together with other believers. He wasn't going around going, hey, I can do all of this. He actually needed together because he needed to be encouraged himself. Massive, massive truth. And it's why we get together on a Sunday. It's why we have connect groups and why connect groups are so essential to get to because as we go to our connect groups, we sharpen each other up. Amen? Amen? Yeah, we talk to each other and, we, we have, and challenge each other. Well, I mean, you could be challenged each other. You can disciple one another. You get together as a church family, and it makes a huge, huge difference to your faith inside. Your trust in God inside increases, matures again and again and again through these processes. Okay, and now we come to the most fun one, trials. Oh, good grief. Is it time to go now? Okay, let's hit this one. 1 Peter 1, verse 6 to 9, says the following. So be truly glad. I tell you what, James and Peter must have had it bad. Um, Be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must enjoy many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your... Faith is far more precious than gold. So that when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Everyone hates trials, don't they? It's Just one of them things. But the trial asks a very, 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 important question. Now let me just get uh, maybe a bit of perspective on here. A trial is we live in a fallen world. Stuff's going to go wrong. Okay, so a lot of it's that. A lot of it's just people just knocking you up the wrong way. Yeah, that could be a trial. You know, there's all sorts of different things where you could be going through trials. A lot of you are going through your own specific trials at the moment where life is certainly not working out in the way that you wished it to do so at the start of your life. So you've all got your own sufferings. You've all got your own trials. At the time, Peter would probably be suffering with a lot of persecution for his faith. There's a lot of different trials. I'm not going to go through the whole spectrum of them. But suffice it to say, the difficulties that we go through are trials enough. And the trial asks a question. Any trial asks a question. If God really loves me, why am I going through this? Why are my loved ones suffering? Why shouldn't I pull away from God? Why shouldn't I pull away from church? Because it's easier, it's safer to pull away. Why don't I give up? That's what a trial asks every single time. Every single time we go through suffering, every single time we go through stuff that's difficult, the first natural thing to do is to pull away, is to pull back because we don't want to get hurt. It's to pull away from people. It's to pull away from other Christians, if it's within the church. It's to pull away and to just clamp down and say, I can't cope. I can't do this. I'm just hanging out by myself. And as I said, even from God. Every single day, we need to answer those questions in faith. Every single day, we need to answer in the same way. I believe in Jesus. I believe he's good. I believe he loves me. And we need to draw our strength from him. We need to come back to the truth of the word of God before our experience of life starts invading what the word actually says. Amen? I believe in God, I believe he's good, I believe he loves me, and I believe that he's got a future, a hope for me, I believe that I'm in the best hands possible. And keep coming back to it, and keep coming back to it, because we have to persevere through those times, and as we do, your faith will never grow more mature because you'll be putting your roots down in him. It's really, really, really difficult to grow when life's really easy all the time. It's really hard when everything's really good all the time. Yeah, if I just gave you a life where you were surrounded by pillows all the time, then you wouldn't grow. But if life gets, you look back at your life, the times you grew the most will be the times it was hardest. The times you rooted down the most, the times you went to God the most to draw from him were the times it was the hardest. And it was the times when you'd look back and go, good grief. I didn't want that to happen. And I obviously no one ever wants that to happen. And I'm not saying God makes these things happen. He doesn't need to. There's enough bad in the world. But what I am saying is that there is moments like that which cause us to go to him If we do. Trials bring us to an end of ourselves. This is how they work. Just so you get a feel of this. Trials bring us to a place in our own humanity where we say, I cannot go any longer like this. Trials bring us to a place where we're humbled completely and they just show us how weak we are in our human selves. Does that make sense? Yeah? You ever been there? It's not nice, is it? All right, they bring us to a place where we are just like, I can't do this any, anymore on my own strength. But here lies the opportunity, and it is an opportunity. Don't, I'm not pulling a fast one here. This is a massive opportunity. God gives grace to the humble, okay? God gives grace to the humble. Jesus' power is made perfect in our weakness, not in our strength, not when we're going out and doing it all ourselves, not when we need to talk to him because we know what we're doing already. Jesus' power is made perfect in our weakness. When we go to him and say, I can't any longer, please, God, would you do something through me? Please, God, take over. As we go through trials, we are in a great position to learn how to draw on the power of God, to depend on his Holy Spirit, As we pray those words, God, I cannot get through this alone, but the the power of your Holy Spirit in me, I can. You will see a change on the inside of you that you didn't think possible. And it's a supernatural one. It's something that happens that takes place between you and God and him changing you on the inside. It's good. It's horrible because of the trials. It's good because God's getting involved. All right? And he changes us and he roots us down more and more and more. So the more we go to him, In those times, the more your faith is rooted right about. Chris Denham was here a while back talking about being swept away. This is the rooting down bit. This is a bit as we root down our faith in Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the whole brains of this, if you like. It's not about us having the strength to do this. It's about Christ in us having the strength to do this. And we keep going back to him and keep trusting and keep saying, God, would you fill me again today? Would you give me the strength for today? Would you give me the power to get through today? And Jesus never says no. Amen? So, it's good. I had, I've had many jobs. So this could, see, I'm online here, so I have to be careful. Uh, I've had many jobs. It's not this one. Uh, many jobs. Um, but I had one job once. I had a very mean boss. Has anyone had a mean boss? Yes, good, we can all relate to that. Um, yeah, my boss is God now, so he's all right. <laughs> uh, but at the time, uh, I was working in insurance, and um, it still doesn't narrow it down that much. Um, I, I had this boss, and uh, he just didn't treat me very well at all. He Basically, I'll give you an example. Um, I booked a holiday, and with the, and he, the day before, he said, you're not going now, and he canceled it. That's nice, isn't it? What do you think of that? I I didn't think that was You're all going, here. that's normal. It's not normal. You shouldn't. It's not nice. But that's what he did. He just cancelled my holiday. He said, yeah, I didn't book anywhere, thankfully. But I booked a week off holiday. And then he just uh, scratched it off the diary. So this was my boss. And every single day I had to get up. Every single day I had to go to work. Every single day I had to pray that I would stay with, full of peace, full of God, full of him, so that I could do the job righteously, I could do the job right, I could do the job well, I could do it with a godly attitude, because it's not nice when you're having to put up with a bully at work, is it? It's very, very difficult when you're having to put up with that situation. So every day, every single day, I had to draw from Jesus. Every single day, I had to say, I cannot, but you can. Fill me afresh. I cannot, but you can. Do it in me again. And every single morning, I would put myself in that place where I drew from God. This is how we grow. This is how we, our, our faith gets strengthened and matured, because we learn to grow um, <laughs> from a place of pure humility, really, in that way. And it's not nice, but that's the way that we grow the most. Let's return to that statement. Help me overcome my, over, uh, my unbelief. Because it does say something really powerful. It says something absolutely massive. Because it shows how Jesus meets us exactly where we are. Yeah? G- as I said, Jesus didn't say, oh, well, you've got to get your faith up. The man just says, I can't believe fully. I can believe a bit, but not enough. You know, help me believe fully. But... Jesus meets us where we are. He does not demand that perfection from us, ever. Please believe that. Hebrews 12 states that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. It's him that does it. It's him that does the work on our faith. It's him that does the work on our trust. If you're going, I'm not sure I trust him fully. I'm not sure I can have that faith. I'm not sure I can trust this God fully in this way, God already knows. And he's not going to leave you in that place. He already wants to work in it bit by bit by bit as we allow him to. It's Jesus that matures us as we step out and obey his word, as we step out and, and obey his Holy Spirit promptings. More and more and more, our faith is perfected. As Hendricks mentioned, our vision of a church is to intentionally build community. And that transformation that we talk of within that same sentence there, that same sentiment, it only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit living through us. You can't do it by yourself, but the Holy Spirit in us can. Amen? When we go out into our communities, the Holy Spirit in us will make all the difference. We're the vessels, and we trust in God to move and minister through us to change the very region, your very communities around you. Jesus is the one who matures our faith. So today, today, consider what action we are to take. I've given you four things, but there's a lot more that allow that process to deepen further. And please remember that we have a loving Heavenly Father who wants to constantly work good into our lives. There is so much more that God has for each of us. The time has come for us to not just pray small prayers. There's nothing wrong with small prayers. But not just pray small prayers. But to believe for so much more of God in the future. Because God wants to pour so much more into us in the future. Amen.